0: Hello, and welcome to ASUG Talks, a podcast series featuring candid career conversations with ASUG members who lead or work on SAP systems across the United States and Canada. My name is Jim Linton-Walter. I'm the content manager at ASUG and your ASUG Talks host. In this episode, I'm really excited to be joined by David McClure, the chief information security officer for Konya Services, a Coca-Cola system IT services company. Uh, David's a fellow University of Georgia grad like myself, and we had a really great conversation about cybersecurity. David, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So just to start things off, you know, David, what would you consider your first job?
1: So uh, the answer to that to me would would be a consulting firm that I went to coming out of college. Um, Protivity is the name of the firm. So they're, they're in, internal audit and management consulting firm. I had the opportunity to do um, a number of different IT general computing controls audits, whether it be for uh, SOX clients. If, you know, at that time, so this was 2007, I was coming out, SOX had just been adopted like two years before, so it was really exploding from an internal audit perspective. All these companies were having to go out and actually do, um, you know, SOX IT compliance for the first time ever. So ton of good opportunity there and and, you know honestly for for those that are thinking about a career i I would tell you getting to start off doing something audit related is fantastic because you just get to see so much of the footprint of the it environment at a company and you start to really understand how the how the controls are important to actually you know having safeguards and into what would be the financial processes that are downstream um and and while i was there i also had the opportunity to do um you know some things in the security space so I did a handful of application security assessments got the chance to do a little bit of uh, data and analytics which is something that I think everyone uses day in and day out whether they realize it or not so it was a was a great first job for me so after UGA kind of paint me a picture where did you go after that what 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 happened after graduation so like i mentioned went to Protivity, and I was actually lucky enough to be able to continue into my next career moves being more security-focused, and and that was probably still even before, so this is what, 2009, 10-ish time frame. Cybersecurity was known, it was important, but it, it wasn't what it is today, which is like the, the end-all, be-all, and uh, can be quite stressful at times, honestly, so I, I think I was very thankful that I was able to kind of make that pivot into security. At that time, it was very much an application security, and I'll say like an access controls type of role. Um, But I think it was a good foundation to, um, you know, kind of continuing to expand from there into identity and access management, um, where, um, you know, I was getting a little bit more hands on from a, a platform and a technology perspective. Um, And then from there, kind of adopting more general risk-based principles and and to where I am today, which is having a much broader purview of all things cyber identity and risk and compliance related.
0: Yeah, um, that kind of leads us into your early days at Coca-Cola Refreshments. Tell us a little about what you were doing there and how that your time at Coca-Cola Enterprises has helped you in your current role right now.
1: I think I joined in January of uh, 2010, and and that role was um, an access controls role focused on SAP, um, and not two months after I'd been announced, uh, Coca-Cola Enterprises announced uh, a massive merger with, with the parent company, Coca-Cola Company, which um, I won't get into all the complexities of franchise agreements with them, but, but basically, you know... It, probably wasn't aware of how big a transformation was coming ahead of me, but um, I I was thankful enough to be able to kind of remain in a very similar role as they transitioned from Coca-Cola Enterprises to Coca-Cola refreshments. Um, But all that history aside, um, like I said, the job was um, an access design specialist role. So basically um, at the time Coca-Cola Enterprises was venturing on a journey to Uh, kind of shore up some of their more sensitive access issues that they um, you know had over time so uh, as you can imagine for entities as they're coming into SAP for the first time a lot of them are dealing with two problems one is you know what is the right access to give to people doing different job functions as massive as the amount of capability you can get out of SAP the authorization structure is equally as daunting Um, so understanding what to grant to people to kind of not give them too much access, but just enough to do what their job is, was kind of a fine art and and still is today. So we came in and um, it had been, you know, for five, six years was was a lot of the access that had been granted to a lot of individuals at that time. We did a a slight redesign project with um, a consulting partner. And we actually put in place um, um, kind of a role-based access control methodology where we were taking people's, job or position or department or location. And we were using some of those variables to try and define what access should be granted. Bumping those up against segregations of duties rules using the SAP GRC product. And, um, and we, we kind of, over the course of uh, at then Coca-Cola refreshments over another two, three years, the entire workforce was rolled out onto this access design model, um, which they still uh, had in place until we transitioned to the entity that I'm now running.
0: Since you've been in this particular work, how would you say the role and importance of cybersecurity has shifted over the years?
1: Great question. And it certainly grows. If I think about how interconnected everything and all of us are now, I think cybersecurity, while everyone knows so much more about it, it's probably because there's been so many more incidents and there's so so much more prevalent uh, Is the reasoning for that, which is not a great thing. But in in my current role, you can't always talk about cybersecurity without really trying to understand what what is the purpose of uh, what you're trying to secure and what's the, the risk that uh, that you have to try and manage when it comes to the data and the platforms that you're operating. So, um, you know, as as who I am today, which is a, a chief information security officer, you're wearing uh, a risk hat more than you almost are a pure technical security evangelical hat. And what I mean by that is uh, if, if we take SAP, since that's the purpose of this podcast here for ASUG, SAP has a number of different flavors now from we're running the traditional on-premise ERP to you've also got the cloud-based success factors or that many entities that are, have individuals listening to this podcast might be running. And how you approach security of all kinds and, and especially cybersecurity for each of those different platforms is vastly different. Um, so five years ago, thinking about our ERP solution, I was more worried about what people inside the company could do in that platform than I was worried about what people outside the company would try and do on that platform. Today, they're almost equal risk to me and looking for vulnerabilities, doing things like patching, applying notes is just as important as some of those access control things I, I talked about earlier in the podcast. Um, so there's, there's a lot of effort we've been putting into kind of looking at what's the external threat of our SAP environments. And then if you pivot and you think about all those cloud solutions, just inherently most security professionals say, I wanna control everything, but it, it may not make sense from um, you know, a cost to operate or from a, uh, l- let's say product capability perspective. Like I, I can't go build something and host it maybe as efficiently and have the same type of quality as SAP could go off and do. So knowing that we've got to weigh that risk versus reward and say what are the things that matter most about how a cloud system operates and obviously have some faith in the partnership with SAP, which which the good news is I've got the chance to connect with their CISO and their security advisory board quite a bit. A lot of the things we are talking about is, hey, how can we foster transparency? SAP, what are you doing? Here's what's worked for us as private entities, as public entities, and, and just try and have that collaboration um, but at the end of the day, almost everyone now has an understanding of what cybersecurity is. If, if you're in the boardroom, if you're talking to someone that's just like a developer, there is no getting around it. You know exactly what is a, is the impact of not doing something from a, uh, let's say, security hygiene. And, and if I code something incorrectly, I've probably got an understanding that it might result in someone hacking into my system down the road.
0: You talk about sort of testing your, 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 ecosystem for external facing threats? Like what goes into that process? How do you all, how do you
1: all go about kicking the tires for lack of a better term? There's a lot of different methodologies is the short answer, but um, I think most of the security professionals that might be listening to this podcast have some type of what we call vulnerability management program. So that's going to, that's going to take a number of different look and feels from um A traditional product that's just going to be able to go out and connect all your systems and say tell me what patch levels you're running tell me do you have configurations that don't line up with what I expect them to have Uh, and and that works great for systems that you own and operate Um, and then you've got you know kind of moving a little bit more to like an application layer capability Um, typically there's products that do scans of web applications um, more like I'll say niche products that will do more like mobile app scanning for security vulnerabilities, um, and you know, in the case of, of SAP, there's there's uh, both SAP has their own products, and there are partner products that SAP uh, collaborates with those vendors to be able to release things that can do very similar things. You can connect to your SAP system, scan it for known vulnerabilities. You can connect to it and scan for configurations that might be risky depending on how you operate the system. And that's a lot of the visibility we get, so we try and couple those things that are more, let's say, frequent um, actions and opportunities um, with uh, more targeted, less frequent opportunities where you might bring in a specialist that is like a pen testing firm or you've got someone that you're gonna do like a red team versus blue team exercise where they're gonna try and simulate uh, an attempt to hack into your environment and the blue team being your own internal team is gonna try and see how well they do and um, trying to identify and push out the adversary in that case. Uh, You just kind of balance a few of those things and something that I think's been becoming a lot more prevalent lately is embedding security in the system development lifecycle.
0: Yeah. Moving now, um, you, you sort of mentioned your, your current role and your current responsibilities. Tell us a little bit about Konya Services and your current role right now, and what does your day-to-day look like?
1: We are an IT services entity uh, that really is part of the Coca-Cola system, and, and Coca-Cola has a lot of entities. They actually franchise out bottling and distribution in, in the majority of the territories, as I mentioned earlier on in the podcast. So if you're in, in North America, the decision was made to take what was a much larger entity that was actually Coca-Cola refreshments we were talking about before and split it into, um, a number of other independently owned and operated bottling companies, some of which previously existed prior to that, but some others are are actually brand new companies. So knowing that, um, there was a pitch made to kind of have a common IT platform that would allow them to be able to move at speed and have comfort that, uh, you can k- kind of have the same foundation for how to do something from an IT perspective and go off and do the things that really matter most, which is connecting with the customer. How can you get product onto trucks and onto shelves quicker? So, so given all of that, all I do day in and day out is worry about this platform that is largely an SAP-based platform and what we have to do to secure it to make sure that we keep those um millions of cases of coca-cola that run through our system every year secure so to to pivot into your direct question which is what does the day-to-day look like for me no day is the same for sure so as um you know timing of when this podcast comes out um i'm sure that we will still be talking about a lot of geopolitical issues that are currently ongoing so um There is quite a bit of my day these days that's just consumed with keeping up with threat intelligence reports, trying to understand uh, are there any new risks that are um, coming towards um, any entities that might be operating in the European Union, which which is not the case for mine, but obviously knowing that the U.S. is taking part in a lot of the sanctions that are being levied. There are a lot of U.S.-based companies that we do expect to be targeted here in the near future. Um, so I, I would say that's first and foremost these days for me. Yeah, um, I can imagine. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, interesting times. Yeah. So let's continue our conversation
0: about sort of what you do at Konya and you know what's uh, your day to day looks like. Yeah. So
1: so cyber aside, uh, <laughs> talk about that all day long. Um, my team also is responsible for uh, application security, identity access management. Uh, IT risk, compliance, Um, and we've created a structure from our uh, board of directors that we call the risk committee. So, you know, that's a a quarterly meeting that we hold and we just kind of give them general state of affairs about all things risk related to both our company and the platform that we operate on behalf of those um, individuals that operate the board. So, you know, most most of my day-to-day activity, honestly, is just trying to stay on top of what it is we have to mitigate from a risk perspective. Like I said, I think earlier in the podcast as well, to me, it all comes back to risk. Why why are we doing anything from a security perspective is because we think there is a risk to be mitigated. You know, we're trying to refine some of our things around having risk registers, how we we check in with um, different stakeholders about how we're mitigating different risks across the board. Um, And, you know, I've got a team that does a lot of very tactical things around keeping up with... um, Uh, let's say, different day-to-day operational controls um, and actually building enhancements into our identity platform. Um, And what's a little bit interesting in our environment, you know, putting an SAP spin on it, um, we actually have uh, 12 different legal entities that operate on our platform. And in the case of our SAP instance, it is the exact same SAP instance. So we have to figure out how to, uh, if I use air quotes, firewall off the data from one legal entity from another and still let them operate in the same place. So we put a huge focus into what we call our multi-tenancy controls at the application layer.
0: Great. Let's now talk a little bit about SAP. We, we've been sort of hinting at SAP for much of the podcast. You mentioned that you first encountered it early, uh, the, the software and it's uh, early in your career. What would How would you say that SAP is an organization has changed since you've been a customer and a user?
1: That's a really, really good question. And I do absolutely think SAP as an entity has changed substantially in my opinion. So when, when I first started touching SAP, it was all about the ERP. It was all about how you could implement this big system that gave you all of your inventory, all of your supply chain controls, And it was so tightly coupled with how you do things from a financial perspective. You've got the GL that's sitting there right tightly aligned with the inventory. You can create all these configurable application controls. And you don't have to worry about having all these different people that have to be responsible for following up to things. Well, well, building all of that in a central system uh, didn't come without some drawbacks. So from an IT perspective, again, keeping my CISO hat on, you know, every change we make to that system uh, could have an impact to to another functional area. So if I want to go change how the inventory team is doing something, the amount of testing and rigor you have to put into that can be pretty impressive and there's a chance you could touch something else. Um, and, and for those listening that have gone through all the many what, what we call releases back in the day where you're putting in support packs and kernel upgrades and you're kind of bundling together all these different pieces of functionality and doing this massive waterfall change management effort. There's a lot of risk in that. So you know, I've seen SAP start to try and think about how they can decouple from that massive ERP core. A lot of that I feel like has been for them strategically trying to think about, is it a cloud first mentality or is there a different platform that we think we can build and in a lot of cases, is it a different platform that we think someone else is already doing very well, so I'm just going to bring them under my umbrella as SAP. If you think about success factors, Ariba, both of those are products that um, we are using or soon to be using here at Kona Services. You know, those were not SAP uh, developed from the get-go, and, and they bought them and are bringing them under their umbrella. Um, so I am seeing a lot more and more of the cloud push, I'm seeing a lot more and more of the how can we get something in the door that already has some legs under it versus us trying to build it from scratch. And I think all that makes sense. And and if there is anyone from SAP listening to the podcast that, that think the thing that I continue to try and talk about time and time again is a lot of us as customers are still having to run that core. So as much as we can try and put integrations first, um, maybe as much as the user experience, that's really important for us because we do find some of the the bot products may not have the same type of -of out-of-the-box integration that something that sap may have custom built from the ground
0: up. understood
1: david last question for you Um, i think through our conversation
0: and i I think anyone who's been paying attention to the it uh, industry knows that cybersecurity is only going to become more and more important again especially as we move to the cloud it's only going to be accelerate what advice would you give to um IT professionals who are either who are interested in cybersecurity and are either early on in their career in the first few years or about ready to enter the workforce.
1: There are so many different ways to get hands-on experience and to really be able to dive into topics and I'll say technologies than when I was first coming out of college. So first and foremost, I would tell anyone that has any interest in doing anything around cloud computing, security, just go out and take some training courses. And I can tell you um, from a cloud security perspective, Microsoft for their Azure platform, AWS for their platform, even Google for their their Google cloud platform, you can take so many trainings free of cost from them because they want you learning their products to be able to then go buy more of them in the future. Um, So do the trainings get the chance to do some test trials try your own things um, I think that's that that to me would be the thing that I would try and do more of early in my career you know thinking about certifications a lot uh, I think there's a great bit of value that goes into certifications as well but a lot of them actually have requirements that you have to actually be in the job doing them for a period of time so I would say you know as you're if you're at a point where you're trying to make a decision about doing something, I probably wouldn't jump headfirst into a certification but as you are starting your journey and saying hey i really enjoy this how can i get to the next level i would definitely point people towards certifications and and maybe just the only other thing i'd say is you know just create a connection group a collaboration group so i think the more people you know the reality is Uh, A lot of times, good opportunities come up because you had a connection with someone else, maybe not necessarily because you had the right resume. So I think ASUG being a fantastic example, the more that you can try and go to some of these events, the more that you can try and connect with people, I think the more experience you'll be able to naturally gain because you have seen what others have had to go through. You've got that many more people that can help open other doors for you.
0: Great. I think that is an awesome place for us to stop. David, thank you so much for joining me today. really enjoyed our conversation. Yep. Thanks. I did as well. And that brings this ASUG Talks episode to an end. Thank you again, David, for joining me. Be sure to join me for the next ASUG Talks and remember to generously share these compelling conversations with other ASUG members, your professional community, and industry networks. Just another reminder to you all, this podcast is available for you on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you're interested in being featured on this podcast, please feel free to email me at jim.liftonwalter at asub.com. Thank you.